Do you guys know what May 12th is? Sunday, May 12th? Mama's Day. That would be correct. It's Mother's Day. So let me ask you, do you basically get your mom the same gift every year for Mother's Day? Maybe some flowers, some chocolates, Mm -hmm. maybe a robe or a framed photo. Boring stuff, right? Right. Well, let me tell you about something that's totally cool and different for Mother's Day that will never wilt, spoil, or put an extra 10 pounds around her waist. I'm talking about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty unique. Cool, right? Right. Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. Your mom can either type a response to the email or she can record her voice if she prefers to do that or she can do both. And mylifeinabook.com then compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book as well as an audio book. And if you want, and she's up to the task technically, you know, the audio book is a, is a great extra thing to be able to do. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your future generations can treasure. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is kind of your chance to give her a way to share them. Every family is a little bit different. And in my family, we love to give each other a really hard time. So I've taken the approach in doing this of asking my mom to comment on some of those family moments that might be a bit embarrassing to other family members. Last week, my question was, mom, did you feel guilty that day you hit me over the head with your wooden clog and dad had to take me to the hospital for eight stitches? (laughs) Mom's response, back in the day, I was the disciplinarian of the house. And when you were eight years old, you refused to get out of Nancy's, that's my sister's, plastic kiddie pool. I told you 10 times to get out of the damn pool. You didn't listen. So I chased you around the yard. And when you slipped, I nailed you right on the head. That was the last time you got in that kiddie pool. Of course, dad had to lie to the ER and tell him that uh, that you fell on your head, but I nailed you good. The entire process with my life in a book is simple. And in the end, mom will have a great keepsake that can remain in your family for generations. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code RLRC at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code RLRC for 10% off today. Hey, y'all, my wife's biggest struggle this past year was fighting the symptoms associated with menopause, hot flashes, mild mood swings, and sleeplessness. She had them all until she tried Hormone Harmony. She was amazed at how much Hormone Harmony reduced her symptoms and supported her mood and her general well-being. Hormone Harmony is not just a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause. It's become a phenomenon. Women cannot stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now, here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it. But it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. Hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, Poor sleep and feeling tired all the time. Occasional bloating and gas. No desire to be in bed next to someone. 
if you know what I mean. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all of these things. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code RLRC at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code RLRC for 15% off today. Hey y'all, it's Jim Chapman with Real Life Real Crime Daily. Unfortunately, we had a technical difficulty today. And look, you can listen to it right here. In Pennsylvania, a judge is charged in the shooting of her ex-boyfriend while he slept. In Tennessee, a man is sentenced in the murder and beheading of his roommate. And two adults have been charged in the Kansas City parade shooting. So you can see... That is nothing you want to listen to a whole episode about, so we are revamping an old episode from January of 2023 on the Lufthansa heist. I hope you enjoy it. I apologize for the audio. I'm recording this from my cell phone, Uh, but we wanted to get you something out today, so here it is. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Real Life Real Crime Daily. I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino, and today we are going to continue with our Crimes of the Century series, going in a little bit different direction today, talking about the Lufthansa heist of 1978. For those of you who don't know, Lufthansa is the national airline of Germany and has been around for a gazillion years, I believe it's owned by the German government. The biggest heist in U.S. history at the time it was committed at JFK Airport in New York in 1978. We are going to talk about the heist. We're going to talk about the people involved on the inside, the people involved on the outside, how pieces of this story were blended into the uh, the movie Goodfellas and uh, and go back and forth a little bit between some of the characters in the in the movie and those in real life and uh, think you'll find this really informative. So we're going to first talk about the mafia a little bit and give you a feel for structures and who's got what job and how it all kind of works. Yeah. So in 1931, following decades of turf warfare, Brooklyn bootlegger Salvatore Maranzano established the leaders of the New York City's five largest Italian-American criminal organizations and declared himself Capo de Tutti Capi, which is translated the boss of all bosses. Maranzano was soon killed off. The other bosses preferred sharing leadership under what became known as the Commission, but his creation lived on and the five families of New York became central players in the saga of the American Mafia. The five families of New York consisted of the Bonanno family, the Colombo family, the Genovese family, the Lucchese family, and the Gambino family. The New York Mafia in the 70s had their hands in everything. Extortion, hijacking, gambling, loan sharking, drug trafficking, prostitution, weapons dealing, smuggling, counterfeiting, robbery, and a ton of other things. And they favored unregulated or cash-based businesses that require the strength and the stomach to do things members of polite society typically avoid. Now, the connection between the garbage hauling industry and organized crime goes back decades. In the U.S., La Cosa Nostra has been part of New York's commercial sanitation system since about the 1950s. Personal trash 
is hauled by the city's Department of Sanitation. Carters, as trash haulers are known, have always been able to carve out and sell routes to one another, which made the system vulnerable to strong-arm tactics. The mafia entered the industry through the Teamsters Union, gained influence over certain routes, and using unsavory tactics to keep competition at bay. When a national waste industry leader, Browning Ferris Industries, entered the New York market in 1992, an executive's wife found the decapitated head of a German shepherd on her lawn. In its mouth was a note, and it read, Welcome to New York. Uh, Jim, I want to jump in with a quick story. And I hope my dearly departed Uncle Pete Filiberto will forgive me for this one. But (laughs) when I was getting married for the first time, we, uh, my parents wanted to hold a sort of an informal dinner with uh, my fiance's family, which is from Tennessee and, uh, and some of our closest relatives at our house in New York. And so my first wife and her, uh, her mother and her stepdad flew to, uh, uh, to New York and my aunt and uncle, uh, Pete and Tilly joined us for, uh, uh, for dinner. And this conversation got going along. My, uh, first mother-in-law asked my uncle Pete what he did for work. And he explained that he had uh, a sanitation company and that that sanitation company really existed to service the garment industry in New York city to which my uh, former, what was the, what was the song with the future ex mother-in-law? You know, you know that whole one? I'm not going to have to see my future ex-mother. Come on. That's a huge country hit. Whatever. But this my, 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 my ex-mother-in-law um, said, well, now, Pete, isn't it really competitive in that business? And, and my Uncle Pete said, well, uh, it can be, but we do, we do quite well. And then she said, well, I don't understand. Can't somebody just come in and say they're going to pick up garbage for 20% less than you do it? And Uncle Pete said, well, theoretically they could. And <laughs> my ex-mother-in-law said, well, <laughs> well, what do you mean? Th- why, why couldn't they? And my Uncle Pete just looked at me and looked at my father and was like, this woman's not getting it. And so my father jumped in and, and, uh, and just said, uh, Paula. Uh, nobody is going to compete with Pete. And the light bulb kind of finally went off. Right. And so, uh, so yes, if you had a particular turf, um, uh, you controlled that area, you were protected, you paid for that protection and, uh, and it was, a. Uh, it was a pretty nice and you know what? Uh, business and yeah, well, uh, pretty like well organized. Their business stunk. Yes, the business did. But it was picking up. It was picking up. I knew you were going to say that. But it was garment industry, so it didn't stink that bad. (laughs) There's there's worse industries you could be be doing that for. Sorry, Uncle Pete. That's all right. So, uh, you know, it's important to understand the structure of the mafia and and what made the mafia – you know, an organization that had such a longevity was the structure. Uh, so we're going to, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the 
each person in that family tree of the mafia. Now you have the boss and some people know that is the Don that is the head of the family and all the big decisions run through the Don. This would be the Marlon Brando or later the Al Pacino character in the Godfather for those of you that have uh, watched that classic. Now the consigliere is the trusted advisor to the Don. This would be like Robert Duvall. If you watch the Godfather, the underboss is like the primary operations guy. All the capos or what's known as captains get their uh, marching orders or approvals from the underboss. Think of Sammy the Bull Gravano. I'm sure everybody's heard of him. He was an underboss in the um, in in the Gambino crime family. So until the Rico status was enforced by the FBI. Don's underbosses and consigliaries were virtually impossible to to tie to crimes of the family because of all those crimes were being committed by captains, soldiers, and associates. They they weren't the orders were just being given by the underboss, the <laughs> consigliary, and the boss of that family. Now a captain had a crew. Uh as he would refer to them, and that was his soldiers, and they had major. He had major status and influence in the organization. In general, the term indicates the head of a branch of an organized crime syndicate who commands a crew of soldiers and reports directly to the underboss or the street boss. A soldier is a member of the crime family, so they're a made member. And they usually start off their criminal careers as associates to the family until they have proven themselves, also known as getting made in the mafia. When there is a vacant position in the family, a captain may recommend an up-and-coming associate to be a new member. A newly made soldier usually becomes part of the crew of the captain who recommended them. The lesson in the mafia structure is important to understand in order to truly understand what happened in the Lufthansa heist. Both the Lucchese family and the Gambino family were very active in Queens and specifically the John F. Kennedy International Airport area. This this paved the way for the immensely powerful Carlo Gambino and later the infamous John Gotti who orchestrated the 1985 hit on Gambino's hand-picked successor, Paul Castellano, before he was done by the testimony of one of, basically, his underboss, Sammy the Bull Gravano. Can can I tell another story? Sure. If the Uncle Pete story didn't disqualify me from telling stories? Yeah, you're good. So my first job in Manhattan in uh, 1984 was uh, selling radio advertising time, selling commercials. And I worked out of a building called Dag Hammerschold Plaza. Dag Hammerschold Plaza was at 2nd Avenue and covered 47th and 48th Streets. One day in December of 1985, as a rookie salesperson in my office about 5.30 in the afternoon, I heard a loud bang and a couple other loud bangs, as did everyone else in my office. And we looked out the window and we saw uh, people starting to rush on the 47th Street side of the building in that direction. So we jumped in the elevator, went downstairs, and there was a, a little pass-through alley 
between 2nd and 3rd Avenue on 47th that took you right uh, to 46th Street. And when you came out of that little alley, you were right at, you were staring at Sparks Steakhouse, right across from uh, from the alley. And as we are coming out of the alley, we see the crowd and the crowd is gathered around a body that is down on the street outside of uh, a car. And they have already pulled one of the signature tablecloths out of Sparks and covered the body with it. And then uh, you, you, people start talking and you learn that it's a, uh, that it's a hit. I didn't at the time know it was John Gotti and it was Paul Castellano, but uh, you know, you read about that uh, immediately the next day, but pretty amazing that, you know, we were right there for that when it happened in 85. That's crazy. That's one of my, um, and I know Jim's also the one, one of the most famous scenes in my mind. Mm. Uh, before Gotti killed Castellano, Mike ran down from his building to check out the crime scene. John Gotti was a capo in the Gambino crime family operating out of Howard Beach, Queens, in a very convenient location to the JFK airport. The business of hijacking cargo going in and out of the various cargo terminals at JFK was robust, and Gotti's crew was cleaning up in the latter part of the 1970s. Likewise, just across the Belt Parkway from Howard Beach in the town of Ozone Park, the Lucchese family, Capo Paul Barrio, operated his headquarters. Business was so good for both the Lucchese and the Gambinos that they often worked capers together as jobs, y'all. Many of the workers from the cargo terminals drank in the bars of Howard Beach and Ozone Park and often traded tips or information for cash or gambling debts. Forgiveness. Gotti's crew and Barrio's crew each had control of a bar. In Ozone Park, that bar was Robert's Lounge, owned by Lucchese associate Jimmy Burke. Two of those cargo workers that liked to gamble and hit the bars were Peter Grunwald and Louis Werner. Grunwald was the Lufthansa cargo agent at JFK, and Lewis was the Lufthansa cargo supervisor. Grunwald had a pathological gambling addict and completely lost interest in his mundane airport job. His job consisted of giving quotations, queries, rates, handling airline shipment bookings, arranging custom clearances, deliveries, and invoices, and directly dealt with airlines, shipping liners, and freight forwarders. When his friend and co-worker, Louis Werner, came up with the robbery plan for Lufthansa heist, Peter was given the task of frequenting the airport bars like Bamboo Lounge, the bar at the Holiday Inn in Jamaica, Queens, the Motion Lounge in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, the Bergen Hut and Fish Club, which was John Gotti's place, and some other spots in Ozone Park, canvassing them looking for a team that could pull off the robbery. Grunberg's efforts were failing, and Werner became angry at his incompetence and decided to take matters in his own hands. Werner shared the plan with his numbers runner, a guy by the name of Frank Mena, who then introduced the plan to Werner's regular bookmaker, Martin Krugman, who Werner was in considerable debt to. Krugman then approached a mid-level drug dealer by the name of Henry Hill, Hill, in turn, pulled in his mentor and Lucchese associate, Jimmy the Gent Burke. You got that? The plan goes from Werner to Mena to Krogman to Hill to Burke. So the basics of the plans, y'all, 
There were large amounts of untraceable U.S. currency in lower denominations would often come in in Lufthansa cargo. The money would come largely from dollars exchanged by U.S. nationals while traveling abroad. Lufthansa would aggregate these dollars from various exchange kiosks and bank locations throughout Germany, and Commerce Bank would send the currency to Chase Manhattan Bank in New York City. The money would be held in a vault inside the Lufthansa cargo awaiting a pickup by Brink's truck to take it to Chase. The Brink's pickup would normally occur within three hours of the currency arriving at the Lufthansa cargo. Hill and Burke would put together a crew that could spring into action quickly and make the JFK run and steal the money before the Brink's truck arrived. Werner gave them all the information they needed to access the vault and grab the money once they were inside the warehouse. Hill and Burke assembled the crew. Jimmy got Paul Mario to sign off and on the job, and they waited for their opportunity. So Lewis Werner wasn't confident in the crew nor the three-hour window. And so when he was alerted that a shipment had arrived on Friday, December 9th, 1978, he found a way to stall the Brinks pickup. The pickup would happen on Monday morning instead of Friday, and the money would be sitting there all weekend. At 3 a.m. on Monday, December 11th, 1978, six guys wearing ski masks pulled up to the warehouse in a black Ford van. They easily sliced the gate padlock with bolt cutters, and they were inside the cargo terminal area. Then they bust directly into the Lufthansa airline cargo terminal. They gathered up 10 or so employees, put them in the break room at gunpoint, and forced the night shift manager to disable the alarm and open the vault. Werner had given them very detailed instructions on what to do once they were in there. They hauled 40 15-pound, 15-pound, y'all, cartons of cash and jewels into the van, and only two of the crew left in the van. The others piled into a getaway car they had waiting, and the entire job took just over an hour. They never fired a gun. They didn't have to harm anyone, and they did, you know, a little more than just a pistol whip to one particular guy. They were long gone before authorities would arrive. The crew met up at the warehouse owned by John Gotti, and Gotti gave them instructions on where to take the van to have it destroyed. They had just completed the largest robbery in U.S. history at the time and walked out with $5.8 million in cash, which in today's dollar equates to about $22 million and $800,000 worth of jewels. That's love. These guys had no idea that there was $5.8 million in cash there. The much less jewels. Werner had had told them, and apparently most of these uh, occasions where they would get these these shipments and and hold them for a Brinks truck involved hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, something like that. And so uh, they were anticipating something in that uh, in that kind of range, and unbelievably, it turned into nearly six million dollars in in cash. Two days after the heist, police found the van, that black Ford Econoline van that they used, stranded, actually parked in front of a fire hydrant in Canarsie, Brooklyn. A guy by the name of Parnell Stax Edwards was supposed to take the van 
to Gotti's junkyard and have it destroyed. So this van was supposed to be long yeah. gone. This guy gets on a bender, does whatever the heck uh, he ends up doing. And you had uh, one job. You had one job, exactly. And so uh, you might, uh, you may remember uh, the scene in Goodfellas where uh, a young Samuel L. Jackson gets uh, – gets taken out with a uh, shot to the head by a young Joe Pesci who uh, was playing the role of Tommy Two Guns DeSimone, uh, although they gave him a different name. I think it was, they called him DeVito in the movie, but in real life it's uh, Tommy Two Guns uh, DeSimone. And so uh, what happens is uh, the papers and, uh, and television uh, in reports claim that the van has been found and they've found fingerprints on the van. Well, Jimmy Burke knows that the entire crew was wearing gloves. The only idiot who could possibly have left prints on the van was Stax. And so at that point, Stax was a major liability and he had to go. Stax and so, uh, so yes. Uh, so in the movie you see, uh, uh, Pesci and, uh, uh, and one other character who was playing the role of Angelo Seppi go to Stax's place. And, and uh, I don't remember if they did this in Goodfellas, but in uh, in real life, Stax was in the middle of eating a piece of chicken. And when the police eventually got to his place, the chicken was still in his mouth. Nice. I don't think they did. I think in the, the movie, they showed him in bed and uh, uh, and they... Uh, they pulled him out of bed and, and, and then shot him. While Jimmy was concerned about the van leading the cops to Stax and Stax leading the cops to Jimmy and his crew, little did he know that um, you know the cops knew within minutes, within an hour of the crime, that there were only two possible ways that this happened. They knew that both Gotti's crew and Burke's crew were working these hijackings at JFK for years. And if a job is going to occur inside of one of the cargo terminals at JFK, it's going to be one of those crews. And so it was only a matter of time before uh, somebody did something stupid where it became obvious which crew it, uh, it was. There's a bunch of stuff you can watch online. That's uh, a lot of it's really funny about, uh, you know, cops, uh, from uh, that era that worked the case, talking about uh, these guys that were part of the uh, of the crew and and some of the you know ridiculousness that was that was going on, and so you know so the cops knew and the cops uh, uh, the cops lay in wait uh, basically for somebody to make a mistake. There's a there's a famous scene in Goodfellas that you probably remember where uh, two of the crew show up at uh, at the restaurant where uh, at Jimmy's restaurant called Roberts. And, uh, uh, and they show up one after another and one has bought a new pink Cadillac and the other has uh, bought a new mink for his wife. And Robert De Niro, who's playing Jimmy Burke again in the movie, I think they call him Jimmy Conway, but it's, uh, he's playing the Burke character goes nuts. I told you guys to lay low, not buy anything. And, uh, uh, you're going to lead the cops right to us. And of course, the cops were waiting uh, for such a, uh, you know, for somebody to screw up and, and make a dumb decision like buying a Cadillac or a, uh, or a mink. And so, you know, by the summer of, of 1979, 
Burke had ordered the execution of nine guys, all of whom were connected to the heist in one way or another. Killing them off was a much better economic play for Burke. Uh, each of these guys were due four to $500,000 for their part in the heist, and uh, and he thought they were all idiots that were screwing things up and leading the cops and the FBI to him. And, and so why not just – one of our most loyal sponsors here at Real Life, Real Crime and The Daily Show has been Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program in the entire galaxy. For us and for many of you listening, learning a new language has become a priority. Whether it's for work reasons, family, or getting ready for an international trip, Rosetta Stone's been there for us with a great product at a great price. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert in language learning for 30 years with millions of users. It's springtime, boys. The grass is green, the birds are chirping, and the kids will be out of school soon. That makes it the perfect time to plan a family vacation. And we know from the stories we cover that this is not exactly the time to take the family to the Caribbean. You don't want to end up in the middle of some cartel drug shootout. So this year, it's time to take an international journey. And of course, a big international trip is just one reason to learn a new language with Rosetta Stone. You might have a different one. Maybe you want to connect with family or friends living overseas. Maybe you want to acquire a new skill for work or better understand a certain culture. Rosetta Stone has helped me have fun with my mother and at least have partial conversations in Italian after only a few lessons. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and many more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways. No English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. Intuitive process, you pick up a language naturally, designed for long-term retention, speech recognition. The true accent feature is like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is convenient and an amazing value. That's right, Woody. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Sayonara. Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? I love it. You sound like, <laughs> it's that time of year, though, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well, have you tried Astro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this. And you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies 
really kicked up with it, right? I use Astapro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those rows, playing my stuff. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directive for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. Rosetta Stone's intuitive process helps you pick up a new language naturally so you retain what you learn and their true accent speech recognition features like having a personal trainer. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. Ciao. Something amazing is happening in meteorology. Climate researchers are successfully processing a data storm. That's because CDW transformed their laptop devices and infrastructure to pre-configured Lenovo ThinkPads and powerful edge-to-cloud solutions. By delivering faster insights to run more accurate forecast models, it's almost like they're controlling the weather themselves. Lenovo and CDW. Make amazing happen. Find out more at cdw.com slash Lenovo client. Get rid of them and uh, and save the uh, family the four hundred or 500000 in expense. Marty Krugman was becoming a huge pain in Jimmy's ass. And uh, and again, if you've seen the movie Goodfellas, the uh, guy who plays Krugman's role, I don't know, remember the actor, but he's the – in the movie, they uh, they make him out to be a guy selling uh, hair pieces, like yeah, a hair right. club for men right. guy. And he yeah. jumps in a pool at one point right. and his hair falls off or whatever. Um and, uh, you know, this guy is in debt to a bunch of people for gambling stuff. And he's just, you know, he's a flock of loose parts. The guy's a mess. And he is constantly uh, needling Jimmy for uh, for money and wearing on Jimmy's patience. And so Jimmy ran out of patience and he had Angelo Seppi uh, kill him, dismember his body and dump it. And Krugman's body was never found. At the end of February 1979, Lewis Werner is arrested. Remember, if you remember, Lewis Werner is one of the two guys that worked at Lufthansa Cargo who hatched this entire plan for uh, for the heist. Right. The guy that uh, that hatched the plan with him, Peter Grunewald, who was a lower level than Werner. Werner was the supervisor uh, at Lufthansa Cargo, and Grunewald uh, worked for him. But Grunewald was the was just a, a drunk and a gambler and a guy uh, uh, that. The FBI identified as, you know, somebody the they week, could go the after and target. shake and uh, and was going to fade. And so uh, but Grunewald had not been involved with any of the stuff going on with the Lucchese family, with uh, uh, with Burke and his crew. So he really didn't know a whole lot. The only thing he really knew was that Werner had arranged all of that stuff. And so the only person ever convicted of a crime related to the Lufthansa heist was Werner, 
who was given up by Grunewald and was sentenced to 15 years in prison. And so he went away. Uh, uh, Burke never got a chance to to take him out. Uh, within a few weeks, Burke um, had his former prison roommate, and you might remember this uh, uh, scene from the, the movie, the guy who had purchased the pink Cadillac uh, was – uh, was Louis roast beef Kafora and uh, and he was uh, he was taken out along with his wife because of uh, that purchase of the of the pink Cadillac and pink so Cadillac. the the crew members are disappearing rapidly Robert Frenchy McMahon and Joe Buda Monry, uh who both refused to cooperate with the FBI uh, but uh, but because of contact happening with the FBI, uh, Jimmy was uh, was convinced that maybe something was going on there. Well, those two guys were found shot in the back of the head, execution style, in a parked car. Uh, a month later, the burned, naked, and bullet-ridden corpse of Paolo Lacastri was found in a Brooklyn trash heap. So, I mean, they are just fallen. Three guys were murdered for supposedly skimming from the laundered cash. That included a guy by the name of Richard Eaton. Remember that name. He will become very important. Uh, Tom Monteleone and Teresa Ferrara were the uh, were the others, and uh, Ferrara's body washed up uh, on the Jersey Shore uh, somewhere uh, a bit later. And so, uh, two others were also killed for breaking family code in July of 1984. Angelo Seppi was killed by the Lucchese family for stealing from the family, and Tommy Two Guns was shot in the head by Gotti for killing two Gambino family members without permission. Another famous scene out of Goodfellas is they all believe, so Jimmy believes that uh, uh, that Tommy is going to get made. And this is, by the way, we Henry Hill was the, the Ray Liotta character in Goodfellas right. and the uh, was, Goodfellas was delivered first person through him. So he essentially was, was narrating the film. Henry was involved in the very front end of this, just connecting Jimmy to everything, but he wasn't part of the crew. He wasn't in the middle of all of this stuff. He was really on the, on the periphery. And so, uh, so Jimmy and Henry believed that the Joe Pesci character who is uh, Tommy two guns, De Simone was going to be made. And rather than being made when he showed up where he showed up, he was popped by Gotti. Now they say in the movie that he was shot in the face so that his mother couldn't have an open casket at his funeral. Uh, but in, in fact, his body was never found. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> dead people tell no tales. Can't testify. Indeed. So you may wonder how Henry Hill was connected to all this. Well, Hill brought Marty Krugman and the heist job to Jimmy. And for that, he had been paid pretty nicely, but he had not been part of the crew, nor had he been involved with any of it. But still, Hill knew things. Hill was a drug dealer. He had gone away for it, but he, you know, he never ratted. He was able to pick things back up when he got released. But after a while, the feds started putting real pressure on him. With the body bags piling up surrounding Lufonza, Henry was arrested again on drug charges. He realized it was just a matter of time before his pal Jimmy had him whacked. So Henry Hill enters the witness protection program. Now, in exchange for being spared prison, 
He'll ratted out dozens and dozens of crimes by mob associates, including crimes committed by both Burke and Vario. Burke was convicted for Eaton's murder and also for point shaving during a scheme at Boston College. Vario was jailed for extorting freight companies. Both Burke and Vario died of lung cancer while still in prison. That's really probably one of the most interesting stories, but every great story has to have a good ending, right? And this one really doesn't. You might say, <laughs> I'm asking about who got the money, honey, right? Yeah. But everybody's dead. And even Henry Hill had a heart attack in 2012 and died, y'all. Um, the authorities never recovered any of the money or the jewels. So somebody somebody got it, right? John Gotti got John it. John Gotti got it. Somebody uh, got Gotti it. Gotti got a little bit of it, but it's so, a, well, the Lucchese's got it. Yeah, well, you know what? Somebody got paid. It wasn't these assholes that got killed other than some. Yeah. I don't think he got the pink Cadillac or the mink on credit. So maybe they gave him a little cut up front or something. Yeah. 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 No, they were, so they were yeah. laundering money right, right. Uh, throughout and, and he was, uh, he was sprinkling it uh, around mm-hmm. with the uh, proviso that you were not to go out and spend. Right. So right. Jimmy, right. but, right. but that was not, he didn't give him four and 500,000. Right. Because but, they would have had to fence the jewels and, and wash the money and stuff like that. Right. But the cops were already on them. Yeah. Um, I think a huge part of this thing, and Jim, I think you know something about this, is the uh, is the the, the RICO laws and the RICO mm-hmm. laws coming in because uh, through RICO, for the first time, law enforcement had a way of getting at the big guys. Right. When traditionally, I mean, they were on a treadmill chasing the mob because. They could get associates and they could get the occasional soldier, but they weren't getting capos and they weren't getting ever above uh, the capo level. But with Rico, they were able to – a crime by one was a crime by all. That's exactly right. And and Rico is what single-handedly took down the mob. It was a genius idea from the government in order to to – basically get to the ones at the very top of these organizations, the underbosses and the bosses. And before that, before that, as we said at the beginning of this story, everything was carried out by the soldiers and the, and the captains in some cases. None of it was getting anywhere near the top. And what happened is it became a save-ass problem because of RICO. So you had underbosses such as Sammy the Bull who were testifying against the bosses. You had captains testifying against consigliaries or cooperating, rather, which which eventually resulted in testimony. And all that was caused by RICO because before that, there was no threat to them. Yeah. They weren't the ones going out there shooting somebody in the head. They were just telling the captains to order the soldiers to do it or the captains and the soldiers together as a crew would do it. Rico changed all that right. because so, if, if, if even the order was given down, you were just as guilty. Right. So specifically in this case, Burke gives the order to kill Eaton mm. and Hill takes the deal and Hill rats on Burke giving the order for Eaton to get killed. And that is the major crime for which Burke spends the rest of his life in prison. He 100%. Also, and without Rico, that never would have happened. Exactly. 
That never would have. So RICO, it stands for Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organization Act. Y'all, it's United States federal law that provides for extended criminal penalties and civil calls of action for acts performed as part of an ongoing criminal organization. This started with the mob. They use it for gangs and drug dealers now and everything That's else. That's right. So not only did they say so they, they you could use one witness basically or uh, to bring down a whole organization if they had the knowledge, the correct knowledge. And not only that, they went after the money. Well, and we did a story, Woody, recently about Young Thug, and that right. that is a right. RICO case. Right, right. So the, it's very successful. It really gives teeth to federal law that they didn't have before uh, the the mafia. And, and then it was created for the mafia, and that's a fact. The other thing that Burke went away for, this point-shaving scheme that involved Boston College, yeah. there's a great – 30 for 30 that ESPN did yeah, on that. And the, the, the crew involved there includes the same guys that the movie, the departed was based upon. So you have actually the Goodfellas uh, crew and the departed crew uh, uh, converging in that. And, you know, it's a uh, well worth uh, seeing that 30 for 30, it's amazing that many high-level guys were involved in a scheme that was just, uh, I mean, it was amateur hour, but uh, needs uh, it, well worth well worth seeing. Yeah, indeed. So you know Rico was signed into law by President Nixon in 1970. Interesting. It, it was, but... Never enforced. But really. also interesting is... None of these guys really knew about it. And uh, there's a professor at Cornell who had worked for the government, who was the architect of RICO, who summoned, and somehow this was was mandated, summoned a bunch of uh, law enforcement, uh, FBI and, uh, and other departments, up to Ithaca, New York, to Cornell to go through a seminar in Rico. And this was like an epiphany for, uh, for all of these folks. Uh, they, they just never knew that there was a way and it changed right. their entire approach to, uh, uh, to, to, to the mob. So ignorance of the law is no excuse, but they damn well know what it is now. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. L- little mini game here. You guys know, know these no points involved here, but, uh, do you remember who played Henry Hill in the movie? Yeah, Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta, right? He's dead now. Uh, he'd be I, dead. He'd be dead. That's and he died young. It was just last yeah, year. I believe that. He, he passed actor. away. Great actor. I actually saw him uh, get interviewed uh, a couple of years ago, and he told the interviewer he had never watched the movie Goodfellas. He had never watched one. In my Goodfellas. opinion, one of the best. Uh, crime movies of all time, but isn't that amazing? I would say, yeah, the top three right. for me. Yeah, the, Casino uh, was really good. Casino was really good. Of course, I had the book of quotes on my desk at State Police. I retired. Godfather, Godfather, all of yeah, them. really good. Uh, I wouldn't put no, one. I, I put Casino one. Really? Yeah, okay, I, I love yeah, Casino. Man, that yeah, was I love Sharon Casino. Stone that's very good. Killed it. Uh, so yeah. many great ones though. Um, but I, I like Goodfellas. Well, if you're if you're a Godfather fan, uh, there's a series that 
I saw uh, it. I've seen the whole thing. That, I believe it was Paramount Plus did with Paramount Miles Plus Teller. And it, it, the story the of the making of and, the, and it's freaking great. It's awesome. It really, is. it's awesome. So if you want something to binge, I uh, it's like a like uh, it's a ago. great binge. It uh, it's called the offer. Yeah, and it's it. Miles Teller the the, the making of uh, of the movie and all and, based off of real shit. Well, and including the, and, your Sparks um, murder steakhouse, the steakhouse. Yeah, it's Joe Colombo. So it's the Colombo right, family right, right, in right, right. Uh, in the Godfather that becomes instrumental right. in allowing him to make the right, movie right. because and he's gunned down as an Italian. Uh, whatever it is, the organization for Italian Americans. Watch the offer. It's, yeah, it's, it's fabulous. Um, and if you, if you've never seen Goodfellas, don't worry about it. Cause you just heard the whole motherfucking movie. <laughs> no, but why? It's a, and it's, it's characters names. And, it's a classic. And, and, you have to and watch. Mike's uh, pink Cadillac. Uh, getting, getting to see, yep. Well, it's funny. to see the dead body that covered with the, I mean, come on. The cast of, of, uh, every mob movie is the cast of every other mob movie. Yeah, right, 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 right. They're the hey, same people the that best in, in the Joe in Pesci. the offer. They were trying to get the guy, the the big dumb guy that went to the wedding. Uh, couldn't Luca Brasi. You look at Brasi, and you know who it was? That's the Incredible Hulk, dude. The, oh, the oh, Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, and yeah. they what? they had to get. They got a real that dude that did it was a real mobster that played the, uh, okay. Yeah. Luca Brazzi yeah. swims with the fishes. Yeah, yeah. Speaking yeah. Of, of people in this movie. Okay. So, uh, so one, uh, we talked about Samuel L. Jackson. That's mm. pretty funny that he plays, that he plays stats. Anybody remember who played Ray Liotta, Henry Hill's wife? Oh yeah. yeah. I, I can see her face. It's not Deborah Winger. She looks like Deborah Winger. A little but, bit. Uh, I can't remember her name because I'm bad with names. I have an OCD block on names. She also provided a lot of valuable uh, counseling to one Tony Soprano years ago. Oh, that's right. She did play the therapist. That's right. That didn't give it to you? No, no, I can't do names. You don't understand. My my OCD is not washing (laughs) my hands four times a day. It's it's, I literally on purpose can't do names. Lorraine Bracco is a great actress. Yeah, I agree. I love the scene where the the guy's trying to fill her up in the car. And Ray goes over there and pistol whips and then he gives her the pistol. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. When she's frantically trying to hide all the cocaine. Right. Yeah, that yeah, one. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's, I mean, she's, and he's she's running around going, helicopters. Or <laughs> you guys remember the scene where, uh, where Pesci, you know, you think I'm funny? Like, you think I'm funny? funny? Like, ha ha funny. Am I a comedian? Comedian? Ha ha. Are you laughing at? Come on, man. Yeah, Come yeah. on. He, he thought sh- he was going to kill him. Around. He, he shoots a guy whose name in the movie is Spider. Anybody remember who that? Spider was like a runner or someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they he made the drinks and shit and came up through that. Yeah, but I don't remember saying. I don't remember. It was Michael Imperioli. I I I, I don't I don't do names. I remember the you faces. Know, I'll never Imperioli forget. Sopranos. I never yeah, watched yeah. the Sopranos. Oh my God. Help Sopranos me, audience. Is, help is, me. Is, never. You got to watch, watch it. You got to watch Sopranos. Is it good? It really is. Yeah. I, I've never watched it. I don't have what a, HBO. What a great binge. Really, I would love to have really never watched it and yeah. and have the opportunity go back to and binge watch it, it now. Yeah. It's like The Wire. If you've never seen The yes. Wire, you yeah, got to go. I watched that after years and years. My The Shield. You, I love you that show. Of that guy. Oh, the man, dude. Yeah, yeah. Dude, every, Michael Chickless. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah um, I don't know his name. But Michael yeah. Chickless. I, I have a great story. Oh, I can't. Look, so he was also in American Horror Story. He did that. That the deal in he New also Orleans. Played that also played the thing in in yeah. uh, 
in the DC comic series. But um, I couldn't go to New Orleans for a long time when when he was filming that series there because it went like ten seasons. Without people stopping me wanting yeah. to take pictures, yeah. and I ain't gonna say that a few yeah, times. Right. I didn't pretend I, like I was him, and I'm like, yeah, sure. That's right. What's up, Michael? Oh, I, I, I've heard that for 15 years, yeah. probably. Yeah. But the Shield is I've a great, right. a great right. series that not a whole lot of people are familiar with right. for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. I used yeah. to have it on DVD. Oh, so good. So uh, that scene where uh, where Spider is shot by by Pesci was a total ad-lib, spur of the moment by yeah. Pesci. Pesci goes to Scorsese and says, I have an idea I right. want to do. And he just says, okay, go run with it, Joe. Right. And and he did it. Yep. And Pesci's the best in that. Right. I mean, He's great. You know, De Niro's always De Niro and, and Ray Liotta. But I, I think Pesci steals that movie. Paul Sorvino yeah. uh, plays Paul Varia. Well, actually, in the movie, it's Paul of, Cicero. But Mi- of, Mia Sorvino's dad? or Yes. Yeah. A lot, lot of them be dead now. That's how I know him as. Most of them be dead. <laughs> uh, Joe just turned 80, I think, the other yeah, day. Yeah, Joe be something. dead soon. No, no, no. Joe's. Joe, Joe keep be, on living, bro. We like Joe me. plays golf every day. Joe's still. Joe's hey, still, that don't mean Joe's still be dead. Shit, he get hit by me. Hey, no, stop. Let me tell you something. Hey. Uh, Joe's. Hey. My cousin Joe's Benny. a 10. Yeah. Joe's an 11. Yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a great yeah. man. Love everything he's in. Home Alone too. Great movie. <laughs> yes. It's a great Home movie. Alone, period. Yeah. Great Tony, movie. Tony. So, <laughs> right. so he made just, more money with Home Alone series than he did any other One last movie. stupid Hollywood oh, story, right? Because right. you, you just made me you gotta think give me of a it. Voice thing you, Hollywood, but, but you can't, you <laughs> can't give, you can't pull out Home Alone as as something to put in the Joe Pesci, uh, uh, you know, collection of my his cousin, greatest. My cousin, I bet Benny. he made but, more money off of that than any other. I bet, I bet he didn't, but. But just to show how stupid I am. So uh, we're out in L.A., and I have a guy I coached Little League Baseball with who uh, was married to uh, – shoot, what's the name of the singer? It doesn't even matter. Tony Bryce. Um, uh, no, it was it old uh, – Paul Anka. This is Paul Anka's daughter, Paul Anka. Who the hell is Paul, Paul, Paul Anka? Paul Anka still goes out <laughs> – Paul Anka still goes out on on tour. He was, you have him, uh, baby. Um, oh anyway, so wait, so wait a second. So her sister married Jason Bateman. Okay. So she's having a birthday party for her. She's having a birthday party for Ozarks. Teen Wolf. <laughs> Ozarks. Jim. That's why I learned Jim. how to. No, oh, that's Michael J. Fox. No more. No oh, more. Right. <laughs> no, he did. He did play like the second. Or uh, I think. Oh, I think he, he was in. Yeah. Okay, one, that's but, where I got but it from. You would have pissed him off more than I did <laughs> in the story I'm going to tell you. Ozarks. So, so I said. So, so we're Ozark. we're at this. What Ozark? Yeah, that's great, great, great series. Another binge Ozark. Yeah. So we're at this birthday party. Blood ties. We're at this birthday party, and I find myself. Uh, we're outside sitting next to Jason Bateman trying to figure out, you know, how to make a little bit of small talk. And, you know, my wife, I could just see the fear on her face. Anytime I'm next to one of these Hollywood people when we were in LA, she would just grimace. What the hell is he going to say to the guy? And and you're still in LA, right? So so, it's a different LA. So I tell him that I loved dodgeball. Right. Yeah. So I tell him I love dodgeball, great, which, man. by the way, I love dodgeball. Right. But I tell him I love dodgeball. And he looks at me and he says, let me tell you about dodgeball. He said, a car picked me up 
at the house. I got in it. We drove 10 minutes to Burbank Airport. I got on a flight to Vegas. I arrived in Vegas an hour later. Car picked me up. The airport in Vegas, McCarran. Drove over to the Strip, whatever resort they were shooting at, I don't know where it was. I got out. 90 minutes later, I got back in the car, went back to McCarran, flew back to Burbank. I was home three hours later. He's not. That's a lot. Oh my God, I just, love, love, uh, love. could I possibly have been more disrespectful to the guy than yeah. telling him his best work was in dodgeball right. when he it was three hours that. of his life? Hey, no, he, no, he, he didn't. never got he that didn't. from anybody else. He didn't like that. He probably has never got it from anybody That's else that. since. I, I Team think, Wolf. You know. <laughs> Over in surfing, <laughs> crushed the roof of the party back. Give me a cake of beer. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that. All right, that's it. Wrap it up. I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. With Real Life, Real Crime Daily. Peace. Peace. Shabazz.